Right. If you'd like a voice that's easy, expressive and human, if you want to deliver your words in a way that really makes your listener feel something, you know, and if you want a clearer voice during hay fever season, cold and flu season and even... Yikes, I've sung too loud at a Bon Jovi concert season. (laughs) Then join me for Mouth to Mic. It's my new online voice training programme that comes with its own private community of voice gigs, just like you. For all the info, head over to bit.ly forward slash mouth to mic. That's bit.ly forward slash mouth to mic. This is the Voice Coach Podcast for all the tips and tricks on getting the most out of your speaking voice. I'm Nick Redman and I'll be sharing everything you need to know to keep your voice healthy, sounding great and working the way it should. If you're an actor, voiceover, speaker, presenter or podcaster, you're in the right place. Hopefully it'll be a wee bit of crack too. Let's get started. Hello dear listener, welcome back. I've got a bit of a treat coming for you over the next few weeks. You'll know by now sort of that my bag, professional bag, voice bag, (laughs) is helping you as a voice user feel empowered to look after and develop your voice day to day, giving you access to all the stuff that you need to know in terms of warming up and cooling down and that sort of thing. That's what this whole podcast is about. It's empowering you to want to look after your voice and develop it to a point where it's just feckin' brilliant, you know, and as good as it can be. But it's not just me who's on this mission. Oh, no. (laughs) There's loads of brilliant folks out there who really want the same thing. You know, want us to feel empowered to care for our voices, use our voices and raise our voices, you know, speak every day as much as we can. Like there's loads of angles when it comes to empowerment. So I've set up this little vocal empowerment series over the next few weeks. Now, my area in terms of empowerment is very much sharing the technical know-how and the understanding, like the exercises that you need to prepare and develop your speaking voice so it sounds how you need it to or how you want it to when you're recording and presenting and speaking. But I, I wanted to talk to a few of the other brilliant people working really in complementary areas of vocal empowerment as a way of inspiring you to keep exploring the huge potential that your voice has, be that for work reasons or just your personal life and relationships or at the moment, you know, for those bigger social impact reasons because, oh Jesus, we're going to hell in a handcart, aren't we? Anyway, I've got three wonderful chats coming your way over the next few episodes. The next episode after this when I'm talking to Hollywood voice and accent coach and author of a book that is coming soon and should 100% be on your to-buy list. It's called Permission to Speak and the author is the wonderful Samara Bay. So you'll hear from her next week. The episode after that, I'm talking to viral TED Talk sensation and author of Find Your Voice and Gravitas. And just all-round remarkable voice coach Caroline Goider, who you've probably heard me quote from on this podcast because I love her books. But first, today, this episode, I'm starting the series with a chat with the lovely Tor Spence from VoiceFit UK. Now, Tor has worked in the NHS as a speech therapist for 15 years in the Upper Airways Service. Tor's also got a thriving private practice via VoiceFit UK, which came from a place of passion for wanting to 
help people overcome complex voice and upper airways disorders that can affect health and quality of life, and also from a desire to help all voice users really protect their voices and their throats from damage and to enhance their instruments to reduce risk and prevent dysphonia. So I wanted to talk to Tor under the theme of empowerment because as well as us needing to know how to warm up our voices and develop them and get to the point where they're really working for us and we're confident that our voices are consistent and clear and authentic and brilliant, I think it's also really important to know when there might be something wrong with your voice <laughs> or when you might need to actually seek a little bit more help. Part of empowerment for me is knowing your limits and when you need that support. So this was a great chat about all various classic vocal health issues that you may or may not be aware of, including things like reflux, hydration, post-COVID voice came up, hair fever, nose breathing and loads more. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. It was recorded actually as a live chat in one of my Facebook communities. So the audio isn't totally perfect, but you know, here we are. The content is brilliant. So we pick up this chat with the glorious discussion, I hope you're not having your lunch, around reflux. Mmm. Yeah, so right. well, gastroesophageal reflux is in Big word alert. Um, gastroesophageal, so in the esophagus, lower down in the esophagus, which gives us that feeling of heartburn because of where it is. <laughs> it feels like the yeah. heart is burning or the indigestion, the nausea, those sorts of typical refluxy symptoms. But if gastric contents, the pepsin enzyme particularly, the acids are refluxed up as high as the top of the esophagus, it could affect the back of the larynx because the esophagus is right behind it. And that can give people throat symptoms, persistent throat symptoms. But when someone has persistent throat symptoms, it's not always down to reflux. And I think a lot of the time we're quite quick to assume, and certainly that's true for the medical profession as well, if someone presents with symptoms in the throat and we have a look and we see some inflammation historically we've been quite quick to say to the patient oh you've probably got laryngopharyngeal reflux so try this medication or try this lifestyle advice and that will help that's not always the case because there's other reasons why there might be inflammation in the larynx so we look at there are certain tests you can do for reflux in some cases and we ask lots of questions and questionnaires to try and really weed out what the symptoms are and whether it could be something else that's causing it and not reflux. I see. If it is reflux, what would the symptoms that you'd need to be looking out for be? So generally in the throat, you might feel soreness. You might feel general stickiness, particularly in the morning after a night of lying down where we tend to reflux more. The voice can change. You might have a nocturnal cough or a sudden cough in the daytime equally. If anything comes up into the larynx, it will set off a spasm type cough. So a cough from nowhere, a particularly nocturnal that wakes you up, that could be reflux. Um, and you might or might not have heartburn and indigestion as well. So everyone's going to be a bit different in how they present. But I think the biggest telltale signs are sticky feeling, that might be lots of stickiness to clear in the morning, having to <clears throat> do that a lot. And we don't want to be doing that a lot, do no. we? <laughs> what about that kind of like lump in the throat sort of vibe? Is that one yeah. too? Yeah, absolutely. So globus or a feeling of a lump in the throat, mm. a frog in the throat that comes and goes. But that could be caused by other things as well. You know, that bit feeling of being all choked up if you're stressed or emotional and you know, it goes to the throat. So, but it, yes, that is one of the symptoms of reflux for sure. 
the old uh, psychosomatic connection between yeah. like the brain and the emotions of it all as well, of yeah. course, because I'm pretty sure that like emotions and stress and anxiety exacerbates reflux anyway, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, it's all on this constant cycle, isn't it? Because the more we cough, you know, that could stress people out more than the stress leads to reflux and more coughing and sensitivity um, and tension. So hence the very holistic kind of avenue into working on these symptoms. And you can't just consider the one symptom in the one area. I think you have to look at it much more as a whole. Yeah, totally holistic, isn't it? Mm. So if... You think it's reflux, but it turns out not being reflux, you know, and you're experiencing some of those symptoms. What are the other sorts of things that it can end up being? So when well, re- when reflux is misdiagnosed? Yeah, I mean, some of the, often inflammation in the larynx can just be a part of how people are using their voices. That's potentially, you know, it's, it may be down to sheer vocal demand or certain vocal behaviours that are causing swelling or or discoloration to the cords could possibly be a low level in ongoing infection persistent infection so my advice generally would be if you feel like you may have refluxy type symptoms it's worth really looking at lifestyle around diet and eating and doing things like raising yourself up in bed a little bit at night not eating too late in the evening perhaps trying an alginate like Gaviscon to see whether overnight that just helps put a a lid, if you like, on the contents of the stomach (laughs) to stop the reflux. If none of that's working and I've had a really good look at the triggers, not eating too late at night, eating regularly, if you're still struggling, then I would see a doctor. And it may be that having a look at the voice box gives us more information as to what's going on. But it's best not to ignore the symptoms like that. And do you think Gaviscon is the best approach rather than some of those tablety versions, the ones that you could take once a day that are supposed to stop all kinds of reflux? Yeah, so there's um, there's different medications that people with reflux are prescribed. And for a long time, it tends to have been a proton pump inhibitor medication. That's, that's the words I couldn't find. Given, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> so that medication blocks the proton pumps in the stomach lining. So you don't secrete as much acid, which is good for heartburn and gastroesophageal reflux. But there's really good evidence now that it just they just don't work for throat symptoms because often the throat symptoms aren't actually being caused by the acid coming up. Often it's the pepsin enzyme that attacks the mucosa in the throat and the PPIs don't stop the pepsin production or the reflux of the actual gastric contents. So there's really good evidence now that PPIs just don't work if you're trying to treat persistent throat symptoms. So the alginates are, there's some research going on at the moment actually which should come up with hopefully good outcome and show that alginates are the way to stop the actual reflux of the pepsins if that makes sense and that's like your classic bottled gaviscon yeah oh well so interesting that's good to know i've got to do hydration as well Mm -hmm. obviously yeah because i'm always aiming for the 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 most recent like updates and research on what's Mm. going on with hydration so what are your best tips for hydration? Why should we be thinking about hydration? I want people to hear it from someone else instead of just me. Oh, well, we know from research into hydration in the larynx that vocal stamina is improved if the cells in the lining of the airway are filled with water. So we know that. We know categorically it helps with stamina and vocal endurance. So your voice will last for longer, sounding better and will feel better if you're better hydrated. And taking that little and often approach, which I know you're 
you would also recommend <laughs> um, sure. sipping away. In fact, I just take a sip. Everybody's going to have a drink. Mm. No. Little and often. And did my, I mean, I talk about obviously drinking water, but also using cool mist, nebulizing, steaming. To my knowledge, there isn't a direct comparison with voice users, which would be great if we had a study with professional voice users that looked at the differences between drinking a certain amount of water, using cool mist nebulizing and steaming and seeing mm. the difference in the outcomes for the voice, perceived outcomes and acoustic analysis on the voice with those three methods of, of hydration. I mean, they do different things because the water doesn't, when we drink it, doesn't go through the larynx, but it's absorbed pretty quickly and it travels to all the cells in the body at the same same speed, if you like. So you need to drink little and often for it to travel to the throat and the linings. But the surface level hydration you get from nebulizing or steaming, there is some absorption of the fluid um, mm. into the, the sort of top layers of the vocal cords, if you like. So it's good for immediate relief or just before yeah. you hop on a call like this, just getting the older. We'll love a bit of an nebulizer. I've had my out. Yeah. on the go <laughs> this week because I've had Brilliant. this horrible, horrible yeah. cold to deal with. Yeah, I think the Vocal Mist website has a, a, quite a bit of interesting statistics about how it can reduce the phonatory threshold pressure and things, yeah. you know, making the voice oscillation easier in the vocal folds. Yeah. But it'd be really cool to see, yeah, like a side-by-side comparison. Of, yeah, um, it would be in more images of the larynx when someone's been mm. hydrating. We, that'd be great, more more research on that. But yeah, vocal, I mean, I've just I've just done a two-week trial, actually, of steam it, of um, nebulizing every day, three times a day. And it has made such a difference because I was really struggling with sort of stickiness, hay fever type symptoms. Um, oh, that's interesting. You've been doing your own little, your own little um, yeah. study. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, you don't always practice what you preach, do you? I mean, yeah. I try my hardest. And I know because you're many people listening and, you know, you're in such a job where you're using your voice and it has to be the best really regularly. I'm working with people vocally, but I can still give the advice I'm giving, even if I'm feeling a little bit subpar with my voice. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I can probably hide from those daily or regular kind of fluctuations a bit more than than you can in your job. But Yeah, that's yeah. what happened to me this week with, with this cold. Like when you're the voice of something, for example, if they need mm. an update, you have to you have to be able to do it. So yeah, I, I literally put a reel up this morning that was like how to try and sound more like I you when that. you've got a cold, like, <laughs> like what yeah. to do. Because yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a pain in the in the bum. And I like the, the, the way you I like the way you wrote, you can either stop or you can carry on. I mean, it's so hard sometimes, isn't it? You know, because yeah. people want to carry on, but it's that, you know, you've got to. But then if you do, you don't want to push your voice too much. And it's like an agonizing decision sometimes. I see that in clinic with when I'm working with people who, of course, develop have developed problems, sadly, rather than working mm -hmm. to prevent them. But this is all about the empowerment for me, though, is that like knowing the point where you need to stop and you need to manage your clients or your audience's expectations versus feeling empowered to move on, you know, yeah. it's knowing the limits of your voice, I think. And I, I think that's what's interesting about vocal health. So many people out there don't need to know as much as you or I, but they do need to know a decent amount to be able to make, though, to feel empowered to make that decision about yeah. whether they carry on or should carry on or whether they yeah. should stop. I think, you know, empowerment, vocal empowerment for me is really understanding your own instrument because you know all the anatomy is pretty similar in everybody we've all got <laughs> yeah. two vocal cords etc but we're all so different 
in so many ways and especially with how we're using our voice and our general health and all the multiple factors that go into it so understanding your voice and knowing what you're kind of trying to listen and feel out for what's it telling you what does it need and that will change day to day and know, yeah knowing what when you need to get help and following a couple of people it's overwhelming isn't it I think sometimes how much information there is out there and what's good and what's not and what suits you and what doesn't and finding of two or three people to follow who you really trust and who you sort of get yeah, <laughs> people yeah, who you yeah. feel get you to you know to <laughs> seek advice from there's so much out there isn't there I mean I read something this morning about a certain tea providing you know antioxidants that would reduce inflammation in your larynx I just thought <laughs> not <laughs> no what <laughs> um yeah, and you, you, you see it on socials and yeah. so you have to be a bit careful about you do. what's going to work and what's not. I, I do think you're a good person to follow for up-to-date and accurate Oh, thanks. Well, so. So <laughs> if anyone's listening, please do follow Tor on Instagram because your content is great. Oh, well, <laughs> um, it's all right. I, I like hearing people's anecdotes and their experiences. That's great because we learn so much from that. If there isn't evidence for something, then it's really helpful to know that that has helped a group of people, whatever it is. It might be a certain type of tea, you know, but we can't make claims like some like some people do that, that well, it's not evidence-based. Yes, exactly. And that's the thing, isn't it? Science is always looking for the mm. most recent science, which is really important. But anecdotally, experiential input is crucial as well. Mm. Um, but then, you know, sometimes it's not as accurate because people don't always know what they're really feeling, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's a tough one to sift through. Anyway, mm. point is... Knowing your voice is yeah. hugely important for this empowerment in terms of vocal health and maintenance, I think. What would yeah. you say is like, how would you recommend people get to know their voice from a vocal health perspective then? A vocal diary to start with. I get people to do mm. that. And I think even if you haven't got to the point where you're feeling abnormal, uncomfortable symptoms, or you get to see me because you've got a disorder, I think right for anybody, just keeping a diary over you know, the course of a week probably and just thinking about what you're actually doing with your voice, what the vocal load is, and then what your throat is feeling like, what the whole upper airway is feeling like, how that might change from hour to hour, day to day, depending on what you're doing what you're you know, and you could go into lots of detail around how much you drink, what you're eating, how well you slept, you know, you could rate your stress levels day to day, just to mm. look for clues and look for patterns. I would certainly get all everyone I work with to do something like that, to build awareness, just to and suddenly people start to make connections between, oh yes, I really slept badly and I had a quite a stressful day and I had to use my voice a lot. I forgot to drink any water. Mm. That's it. Um, yeah, because that's a really nice way of knowing whether it's user error, <laughs> per se, you know, uh, versus something that might actually be a pathology or an illness yeah. coming on or something. If you go, well, I slept well and I'm hydrated and I didn't have to yeah. speak that much today, but I still feel vocally tired. Maybe maybe yeah. I've got an illness coming on or maybe there's something, something, an issue with my techniques that I need to look into. Yeah. Yeah. So journaling, I think, is is great. But if you if you're worried, you know, if you have persistent symptoms for more than two, three weeks in the absence of a respiratory type infection or illness, then just go and chat to your doctor. Yeah. There's nothing yeah, to lose. And I think it's, you know, much better for peace of mind that you go and talk to them. I completely agree. 
get on the blood of the old doctor. Mm. I think it's it would be remiss of us not to quickly talk about hay fever. Yeah. Oh, right now? Yeah. <laughs> Give us your top yeah. tips for uh, dealing with keeping your voice consistent and healthy during hay fever season, please. Because oh, that's def- an empowerment thing. I feel very, yeah, I'm trying to feel disempowered when they can't speak because they're sneezing or coughing. Yeah, it's really hard. I think consider the whole upper airway and the specific hay fever symptoms that you get and how what helps you. The nose for me is the bit that's affected the most when I've got hay fever. So I really need to look after my nose and use a salt water wash through my nose regularly. Try and breathe through my nose so that the air that's going in is filtered the best it can be. But saline nasal spray or wash every day during hay fever season for me really helps. And of course, hydration and using a nebulizer or a steamer and probably easier with a nebulizer so it's not too hot but breathing that in through the nose so you get as much surface level hydration in there as well yeah because um, the nebulizers come with that really intense looking face mask don't know if you yeah. can put that on <laughs> like yeah. you're having some kind of episode <laughs> yeah and you'll feel like it all sort of half of it drips out through the front Brilliant. of the nose and Absolutely that's fine disgusting. you just want to yeah. get rid of everything <laughs> uh, as much moisture as possible hot steamy showers mm. um and generally what about, hydrating. What about if people feel the hay fever affects their voice, like irritated vocal folds situation? Well, it's tricky. If you have if you have to carry on and do your best, then it's about the vocal health strategies, but intensifying those and making sure that you're really kind of warmed up and your and your voice is exercised well and balancing how much you're using it with plenty of rest time as well particularly if there's what's well, hard to know if there's actual inflammation down there or whether it just feels like there is but yeah either way you'll probably need to factor in a little bit of, of downtime with your voice as well more so than normal what might inflammation feel like for somebody just so they know well it's quite abstract i mean soreness hoarseness you can't really feel swelling it's not like your throat your throat's unlikely to feel sort of congested or obstructed with moderate mild to moderate inflammation in the larynx so you wouldn't feel that like you can't get air in or anything Mm. like that but it might feel sore you might need to clear your throat so it's more like a like a vocal quality kind of irritation Mm. hoarseness yeah commonly if you you know if you go to talk and you quite quickly need to do that as you're talking that might be an indicator that things are just a bit inflamed or irritated. So very similar to the feeling I get after I've been to a gig that I've been singing along to mm. after a few beers. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. We've all had that feeling, haven't we? You know, in the next morning of thinking, oh, oh God, what did I do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happens to the best of us, you know, when Bon Jovi's in town. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? <laughs> Living on a prayer. Yeah. Oh, I didn't go to Glastonbury, but I'm sure, you know, people, anyone at Glastonbury is probably feeling it a bit in their throats and voice. Yeah. Yep. I think a lot of them are coming back with COVID. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I suppose, yeah. what about, uh, uh, can you speak to, if we've got anybody listening who's mm. recovering from COVID? Yeah. Well, I mean, it affects the respiratory system. So the obvious things are going to be, you know, breathe, the breath support and the health of the larynx. If you cough with COVID, persistent coughing could cause a muscular tension. The, the biggest thing I see with COVID patients who have voice problems is the with long COVID is the fatigue and the breathing pattern changes that people experience and that really affects the voice. 
Mm. Um, it can cause specific voice abnormalities and laryngeal problems. But on the whole, most patients coming through post-COVID are quite holistically coping with a lot of fatigue, which is affecting their voice. Shallow, uncoordinated breathing patterns of um, come about because of the infection and it's hard to switch those off once someone's better. So in terms of advice, I think it's a lot of really persistent, intensified vocal health strategies, thinking about your breathing patterns and giving yourself time. It does, that's the hardest yeah. bit of it. But what I've seen from post-COVID voice problems is that you have to give yourself time. And the best, what we can often do with people is to help them cope with that feeling of frustration over this is going to take time. And it's the psychological aspect, waiting and giving yourself time to recover from COVID. It's all a completely holistic experience, isn't it? Mm. Which can be at the same time settling, but really frustrating. It's like, just mm. fix me. I, I have to fix your mind and your body and yeah. accept and understand and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Do all that work yeah. as well. Habitual throat clearing then. You know, for some people it's a performance thing. <clears throat> um, what if anybody out there feels that they are, they're feeling like they need to clear their throat all the time? That message is coming from somewhere, you know, that we all feel the need to throat clear sometimes. The health, the health and the state of the the larynx is never going to be the same and completely brilliant and healthy all the time and it is a sensory place so it is perfectly normal to occasionally want to <clears throat> clear the throat that could even be something as simple as you just walk through an area where there's the atmosphere is very dry or you mm. breathe in a bit of something in the environment a bit of pollen or the smell of deodorant or something that's just irritated the sensory pathways in your throat but persistent throat clearing is not the answer because it might feel in the moment that you've done it oh that feels better but it's a it's a vicious circle really and we want to try and um, stop that behavioral response to a feeling in the throat so if you could try to recognize what's the message I'm getting here is it a tickle is it that I can just sense a bit of stickiness is it because my voice has suddenly gone a bit crackly and <clears throat> that helps it immediately yes it does but try swallowing instead firm swallow sip of water in a swallow maybe more one or two or three sips of water in a swallow if you bring your tongue forward between your teeth doing it and then swallow that mm. slight anatomical change just gives you a feeling of a bit more force or effort through the swallow where your vocal cords come together but in a very normal way they come together every time we swallow but the cough or the throat clear is a sort of forceful movement mm. which you want to avoid. It's a big old smack, isn't it? In mm. vocal, vocal, full term, vocal full yeah. terms. I yeah. love what you're saying there about like pay attention to the message that you're being sent. I suppose that could be a physical and a psychological message mm. really, isn't it? It's like if you're using the throat clear to give you a moment to think yeah. before you start, then there's definite reason and argument for replacing it with something more efficient and voice friendly, like the swallow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if you notice, I think we've chatted about this before, I think. Yeah, you, I think if you're noticing every time you pick up a mic and before you say something, you <clears throat> do that. That's there's probably a real sensation you're getting, but you've got to sort of ask yourself, why am I just getting it then? And why am I coping with it like that? It's very normal. The body, the brain tells us to cough and throat clear to get rid of feelings. But so we're having to sort of change that internal message, which was can be very habitual. And think, let's just think of something else I can do instead. It might not be, it might be a swallow, but it might be nothing to do with your 
vocal track system, it might be that you have another habitual action that you do, like squeezing something or clapping three times or I don't know, it could be anything. Send yourself an take... epic kind of um, Rafa Nadal pre-serve. Oh, yes. I don't know if you watch the tennis, he's like yeah. shoulder, shoulder, nose, nose, yeah, this. trousers, trousers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just um, get some other tick. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a different <laughs> way of, of, of di- distraction, um, doing something different instead that's healthier for your voice. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be doing choreography full-on choreography before yeah. we start recording <laughs> great okay nose breathing came up there mm-hmm. nose breathing now we've discussed this i think slightly as well in the sense that for speaking nose breathing isn't hugely efficient but why is everyone banging on about nose breathing these days much more is known about the science of breathing now um and it's much more in the media thanks to some brilliant people James Nestor's a journalist who's written a lot about breathing. Um, Patrick McEwen. Patrick McEwen is is fantastic. Oh, I'd love to be able to go and see him myself. Yeah. Um, but so we we now we've always known that the human beings are designed really to breathe through the nose because it acts as natural filter. So we've got little hairs in the nose. All of us do. <laughs> that uh, filter out the, the impurities. Um, hairy nose, hairy nose. Hairy nose, yeah, all of us do. Um, it's funny, when I, when I scope people myself and we record the images and we play them back, if I press record too early, they see the scope go into their own nose. They're like, oh, do I have those hairs in my nose? Like, yes, every, everybody does. It's um, not just an old, old yeah. man at the pub who have hairy noses. <laughs> and then the larger surface areas within the nose, because the nose is full of, it's, we've got th- basically three turbinates with spaces, cartilage turbinates with spaces in between them on both sides. So What's a turbinate? Pieces of cartilage, you've got an Fine. inferior turbinate and then two others with spaces in between. And that large surface area helps to keep the air that you breathe in through the nose warmer and and wetter so it's filtered it's kept warmer it's wetter so when it comes to the back of the nose and down into the throat it's all connected and the air is going to be of a better quality and the biggest thing we now know is that by breathing in through your nose the body the parasinuses produce nitric oxide which you don't produce if you breathe through your mouth and that helps with the absorption of oxygen so you absorb more oxygen if you breathe through your nose. And how does that help us? (laughs) Um, Well, that's really important with, particularly with exercise and people that exercise regularly and sports performance. And it helps generally, a lot of people will over breathe, breathe too shallow. uh, And we're not, we're quite conditioned to think, take a deep breath and people will do breathe in. Well, so, so much that's not really healthy about that you know a shallow breath we're taking in too much air that doesn't mean we're absorbing all that oxygen in fact it probably means the opposite when it's through the mouth and it's shallow we're not going to be absorbing as much as we think Uh, I was just I was lost in the idea of anybody who's a voiceover listening to this going oh my god yeah before I record I take a massive breath (gasps) because uh, sometimes a voiceover you never know when the next ability to breathe is going to come Um, are there any sort of nose breathing exercises, might be putting you on the spot here, that you think might be interesting for voiceovers to explore in relation to feeling like you've got enough breath to get through mm, phrases? Like it, it might not be that you do it 
nose breathe before you start recording. But, you know, if there's anything you could build into your warm up or your day, that's a nose breathing exercise to think about. Mm. I hear the term air hunger. Yeah, so, people, so the typical signs of, of the typical signs of air hunger are yawning, sighing, <gasps> gasping for breath in like that, or noticing that you're breath holding without, you know, a lot of people will do that without realizing. But breath hunger comes from this idea that we're just not absorbing enough oxygen. And often people get air hunger signs if they breathe through their mouth or they're breathing too shallow. So, I mean, when I'm working with people to try and enhance breathing patterns, it's all it's relatively new to me because as a, vo- as a voice therapist, you're, you work with breathing patterns and voice and it varies between therapists how much focus you really put on it. I've always believed that it's an extremely important part of improving and rehabilitating a voice. But because of my upper airway stuff that I do now, I work with the physios a lot more, the respiratory physios, and they work on normalizing breathing patterns, particularly in asthmatics and people. Mm. And breathing through, you know, you just have to start practicing breathing through your nose. If you're not used to it, it will feel quite weird and quite restricting. I was you just might looking f- for that book this book close your mouth by patrick me because i mean i think literally the first the first step is like step one close your mouth (laughs) yeah yeah it always makes me laugh it's amazing though when you start talking about it and people just it's not something anyone's ever considered and you think just close your mouth for a minute and just you can still breathe but people just haven't ever thought about it you know i I get that why would they're done if you're a voiceover, it's more likely you have thought about it. And it's hard to maintain nose breathing when you're talking, but mm-hmm. it is all about practice, trying to work out what's going to keep the, you need the time to breathe in through your nose. You need to sort of practice what's going to help you keep that nose breath in quiet. I work sometimes with longer nose breaths and then get people to do sort of smaller sniffs instead, not not specific to voiceover or to talking, but it's it would just sort of play around with the techniques to see what mm. works at rest and then when you're moving around it's very different as you're as you start to breathe faster and you still want to nose breathe you need to there's slightly different considerations so I think I would just I would just say to anyone just start closing your mouth getting used <laughs> to breathing through your nose yeah um, I've been trying to do it just around the house and when I do my walk in the morning yeah because I think I had definitely because of you know, and again, self-perpetuating cycle. I've often had sinus issues, probably because I don't breathe through my nose enough. And so I've started to just literally like when I'm swatching telly, just closing my mouth. And I'm trying, I'm just basically existing in conscious incompetence versus mm, conscious like competence yeah. of four <laughs> stages of learning. So yeah. I notice my mouth's open and I close my mouth and I start mm. breathing through my nose. And sometimes That's the first I, step, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Just noticing you do it. But um, yeah. it's really good for anxiety as well, though. And like mm. if I've had issues with PTSD after, um, you know, pushing a human out of myself um, in a very dramatic fashion. Shout out to all the mothers out there. Mm. <laughs> and, but nose breathing has been like really, really useful for dealing with that, which feels empowering. You know, when you're, yeah, in, the, when you're in that place where you feel a little bit panicked, you just kind of yeah. settle it down. Yes, taking the, we have a really reasonable amount of control over our upper airways. It's a lot of it's under autonomous control as well, but where there is voluntary control, we can, that's quite empowering. Knowing yeah, what isn't you can it? do. And if you look at someone, mouth breathe, shallow breathe, all those sorts of signs of breathe too fast. And then you compare that at rest, someone breathing at rest to breathing slower, lower through the nose. 
the difference actually in the visuals is huge. You start to realise, wow, just how stressful actually nose, uh, mouth breathing, shallow breathing looks compared to a, a healthier, more more normalised, easier method. But it can feel That's very right. difficult to change it at first. So people I work with always feel like they're taking a step back because breathing through the mouth, shallow breaths feels easier for them right now, although it's giving them these horrible side effects and symptoms. Mm. But starting to breathe through the nose, it feels hard, like you need to gasp in through the mouth, like you can't breathe, like you're going to suffocate in some extreme circumstances. So you just build yeah. it up really gradually. Good to know. So just gradual breathing through your flipping nose. Step one, mm. yeah. just do it. Just do yeah. it. That's a really good book. They'll close your mouth. I don't know if you, you've probably, mm. it's like yeah. the how, yeah, kind of the, the how to approach rather than like James Nestor's book's amazing as a like journey through his exploration mm -hmm. of, of nose breathing, but it's not like a how to do it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, this dude is Patrick Mc... Well, I say McEwen because that's the Irish way, but I think it's McEwen, oh, okay. isn't it? I don't... Yeah, I, I don't do know. say McEwen, but that's probably wrong. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, I really nice. like Oxygen Advantage, their yeah, Instagram page, because well. they've got some great reels, particularly from athletes and, yeah, just people giving tips and showing you what it's like to breathe through your nose and that it is possible. Did you see the one with Jason Bourne recently when they had Jason Bourne... Yeah. Uh, running across a beach, breathing through his nose and how powerful it made him to be <laughs> breathing through his nose at that speed when he was running. Amazing. It's going to be on uh, people's Tinder profiles soon. Nose breather. <laughs> oh, That's I me. see. Hello. <laughs> Tick, swipe or whatever it is you do. Never used one. Great. Okay. So listen, like red flags day to day. What should be looking out for, thinking about in terms of feeling empowered to stop or go on with their speaking? Oh, it's that, you know, it's that difficult sometimes finding a balance, knowing when enough's enough, when you just need to put your feet up, your voice up. I often wonder, you know, I, don't, I work with a few athletes who have laryngeal breathing issues and I've all, I've interested to know from them, like how do they deal with the feelings they get when they just have to say to themselves, I can't do it today or I'm not strong enough. I'm not ready to perform in this way today, you know, because our bodies don't work perfectly all the time, do they? Mm -hmm. And it's really difficult to ad admit when you need to take that day. And that, I do a lot of work with people on on that. It can take, you know, we're just, just talking lots around what feels right when and when it doesn't and coping with the feelings of having to say, I just can't work today. I can't do that today. And knowing what, how much you can push yourself without getting to that point where you have potential for injury. Yeah. It's, very, it's really difficult. I think you've got to trust yourself, your instinct. I'm sure everyone watching this is pretty clued up about their own voices and, and how they work and having that knowledge and, and power is everything really. So, And if you do have to push through, any advice or guidance on that? Warming up and cooling down, for absolute sure, cooling down having rest time after you've had to push through and all the general stuff. I wish there was a sort of magic wand method of doing something <laughs> that would just allow everything Take to work perfectly. But, I know. Oh, no, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> but, you know, and I, yeah, and that's an athlete who wants to push through. You know, we know that there's a little bit more risk of pulling or straining a muscle if we need to just get on and do it. You don't want to cover up any pain and push on regardless. I think that's you know, important to say, don't sort of use an anaesthetic throat spray or 
and just carry on and push through and ignore everything, that wouldn't be sensible. That is a really useful thing to say. Thank you. Because <laughs> I see, you know, just spray this thing in your throat. You'll be fine. Mm. But, you know, pushing through equals exacerbation, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, I think. Okay. Yeah. Final thoughts on empowerment then from a vocal health perspective. To summarise, I think the voice is the whole person, the whole body. And with that comes so many possible considerations. So it's worth for that reason, you know, journaling, keeping, you know, a list of what's key for you and for your voice. And if that is your sleep hygiene, or if that is whether you've had a good old stretch or whether you've missed your yoga session, just really kind of being compassionate with your voice. The better you understand it, the more compassion you can give it and understand I can't expect it to work perfectly all the time, but this is what I can do to make it the best it can be. And when it's good, it's on fire and it's amazing. But there will be days where it's not quite like that. And that's okay. That's within the realms of normality for every human being. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really nice point to finish on is the fact that we're only human. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe a big thing about in vocal empowerment from a health perspective is is understanding that and managing your own expectations it's okay sometimes to not be on fire vocally and it's okay yeah. to have to stop every now and again. Yeah. And I understand the stigma attached to that isn't then that has yeah. been in there that sadly still is. But again, with knowledge and power comes kind of confidence that you know your voice, you know what you can do and what you can't. <laughs> and also the more you know about your voice and the more you journal and diary and get to know it and explore it from a vocal health perspective, the more you can limit the occasions where you have to stop because you'll know what to do you know how to look after yourself and uh, it hopefully it's preventative rather than cure I think is the is the important thing as well and that's interesting from an empowerment perspective because you know so often the people that come through my virtual doors they're looking for the fix rather than the tools to not get to the point where they're broken oh my too mine too I mean that's exactly <laughs> I'm obviously seeing the people that have got to the stage where there is a disorder. So, but I just feel so passionate like you, I think about that earlier step of, yeah. from the very start of a voice career or, or not. Like I want to ab advocate for this in anyone, you know, because the voice is a, an instrument for every human being. And many people don't even give it a second thought their whole life until there's a problem. What a perfect place to end, isn't it? I don't know if that rings true in any way. We don't think about our voice health in the same way that we think about our teeth health. We're advised to go to the dentist every six months to make sure our teeth are okay before the issues arise. And that's one of the things that is frustrating about being a voice coach and a voice practitioner is that most people who come to you already have the issue. And I'd love it to be the other way around. So if you're interested in picking up a few tips on how to look after your voice to make sure you don't get to the point where there is an issue, then make sure you join the Voice and Accent Hub, which is my Facebook community. It's loads of crack. There's loads of tips in there, lots of support as well. You, you can get to me if you need me digitally and ask me questions and whatnot. Um, it's really worthwhile being in there. It's called the Voice and Accent Hub and it's over on the old Facebook. And if you're not on Facebook, just join my mailing list via my website, nickredmanvoice.com. Right. Oh, and if you'd like to follow Tor, her Insta links are in there too. Right. Till next time, when I chat to Samara Bay, who is absolutely phenomenal, a force of nature, has been described as a thought leader, if you please. So you're really not going to want to miss this. See you soon.
Thanks for listening to the Voice Coach Podcast. To get the most out of your voice, come on over to our free community on Facebook, The Voice and Accent Hub. See you in there.